just out of the city, but... Good morning, church. Let's stand to honor the reading of God's word. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 12 to verse 35. Verse 12. Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day along. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine bibers, among righteous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the gluten shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. By the truth and sell it not, also wisdom instruction and understanding. The father of righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. For a war is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. Who had woe? Who had sorrow? Who had contentions? Who had babbling? Who had wounds without cause? Who had redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, Look not thou upon the wine, when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Thank you. 23 from the chapter that was read. like to read just one scripture as we start today, and there is an outline in your message, 
in your bulletin, there's an outline of the message on pages 10 and 11. And there's also a chart. I call this the heart chart. On page number nine, I, might, I will reference that in the message as well. And I do that and I make a PowerPoint because I know listening is difficult and it's easy to tune out or it's easy to be distracted and easy to lose your place. And then, you know, I'm preaching up here and you're like, I lost where he is. <laughs> you know, I, I, if you just kind of lose your attention for a moment in a message, you're like, what is he talking about? That's why I put the outline in so you at least can... If you get distracted or lose your place or something, you can maybe come back to us and, and get your attention back to the message. And today I really have a, a simple challenge for us from the Word of God. And we probably even all heard this expression about giving our heart to Jesus. But I just love the Scripture so much. And so I, I want to just preach to your heart from my heart, from God's heart, to give your heart to Jesus today and all of us, even no matter how long we've been saved. You know, you could keep giving your heart to... We need to give our heart to Jesus every day. And so this is a message for all of us because I know one thing. You have a heart. And something's going on, not just in your physical beating heart, but your spiritual heart. Something's going on there. Someone's ruling in there. And I want you to give your heart to Jesus. That's the message today. Proverbs chapter 23, can you read with me out loud? Let's read verse 26 together. Chapter 23, verse 26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. And let's pray. So, Father, help us to know that in this great book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, but your Bible is the great book of wisdom as well. Help us not to forget the greatest wisdom is You, Lord Jesus Christ, and the greatest wisdom we can exercise is to follow You and love You and trust You and imitate You. For, Lord Jesus, You are life. And we love You, Lord, because You first loved us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So the context here is actually a wise father speaking to his son. And the son... Following wisdom, the father asks his son for his heart. Now that's a big ask for any human father. I'm talking about a human father saying, Son, as you figure out life's journey, life is hard. You're going to have a lot of troubles and trials in life. But give me your heart and observe my life. And I will do my best as your father to help you on your journey in, in life's pathway. And I would encourage every son who, who's here who has a godly father to, to give your heart to your father and to your mother in that sense. Every son and daughter. Give your heart to your parents who love you and, and want the very best for you and who are wise and can show you the way of wisdom. That is the context of this passage. But I want to look at this passage as our great Heavenly Father asking us, for our heart. As our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom we are the sons of God, my son. Jesus even spoke to that man. Remember that man they let down through the tiling of the roof? And he said to him, What? Son, thy sins are forgiven thee. 
So we are the sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And here we see in the text, My son, give me thy heart. So my prayer is that we can hear the Holy Spirit of God speaking to our hearts today. My son, give me thine heart. Jesus Himself asking you for your heart. Imagine Jesus coming up to you today and saying, Give me your heart, my son. Give me your heart, my daughter. Give me your heart. What would you say to Jesus? What a beautiful verse, my son. Give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Now, we've been doing a series in Proverbs, actually, since February. And I, I approached the book of Proverbs this week saying, I want to preach about the heart. And there are over 90 references to the heart in the book of Proverbs. And so I studied quite lengthy this week in the book of Proverbs on this subject of the heart to finally arrive at this very simple verse and simple message. Give your heart to Jesus. But overall in the book of Proverbs, what we see again, is what we've been studying it now for many months through this year, is the first nine chapters are the introductory chapters of the book of Proverbs. And in those first nine chapters, the writer is really saying there's two ways. And, 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 and we're, we're learning about these two ways. There's the way of wisdom, and there's the way of foolishness. And there's no third way. You choose. What way do you want to be on? The way of wisdom or foolishness. But then in chapter 10, the book of Proverbs takes a stark difference. There are sentence Proverbs from chapter 10 really to the end. Sometimes they don't, that one proverb might be completely different from the next, and sometimes there's some contextual similarity there. But anyway, the sentence Proverbs begin in chapter 10. And I think you could actually look at Proverbs 10 to 31 as saying there's two kinds of hearts. There's the heart of the wise, and there's the heart of the wicked. Now, there's different manifestations of a wise heart and a wicked heart, and that's what this chart that I have uh, tries to bring out, the different kinds of wise hearts and different kinds of wicked hearts, but really there's no third heart. So I want us to look today at this matter of your heart. And the most important thing you can do with your heart is give it to Jesus. So let me first... Break this down, and I just really have two points today. How do you give your heart to Jesus? So when I say that, what do I mean? How do you give your heart to Jesus? That's the first point. The second point will be, why? That's a big ask. Why should you give your heart to Jesus Christ? So the first thing is, how to give your heart to Jesus? Well, to give your heart to Jesus, let's first understand what, um, ask, what God is asking for here. And what, what, what the ask is. We have to understand the nature of the heart. When we talk about the heart, what do we mean? So what do I mean when I say, give your heart to Jesus? What is your heart? And I have it here on the screen, but the heart is the complex interplay. And it's relating to your inner man, your inner personality, which is ultimately your mind or your intellect, your heart your, or your emotions, and your volition or your will. So your intellect, your emotion, and your will. And the heart deals with the inner man of, of the inter, interrelationship that goes on between what you know, what you feel, and what you do. The heart is the citadel of the soul. 
It's the reservoir of your humanity. It's the inner machinery of your manhood. Theological wordbook of the Old Testament, a very good lexicon of Hebrew words, says that this word heart is the richest biblical term for the totality of man's inner and immaterial nature. So, I don't see your physical heart, but I don't see really your spiritual heart either. The interplay between your intellect, your emotions, and your will. But I'm telling you what, God sees it. God knows the heart. If you even go back, look, look in Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 11. It's a very profound verse about this matter. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 11, the proverb says, Hell and destruction are before the way of the Lord. Hell is the place of departed spirits, or maybe even where the body lays in a grave somewhere, or what happens to the body when somebody dies. It says hell, and then destruction, the place of even their eternal damnation. Hell and destruction are before, the, before thee, before God, or before the Lord. And then he says, how much more than the hearts of the children of men? I mean, if God could see hell and destruction, it's, it's not hid from Him. Your heart is not hid from God, the writer is telling us. The heart. So, know what you're giving. When we say, give your heart to Jesus. I don't want you to give your heart to Jesus and then... And then you say, oh, really? I, I didn't know I was giving that. You know, you don't want to give a gift unless you know what kind of gift you're giving. My son, I want you to hear the Holy Spirit say this to you. Give me thine heart. Jesus is asking a big ask of each of us. Give your mind. Give your emotions. Give your will. Give your thinking processes over to Jesus. Give your doing and all your actions over to Jesus. Give your heart and all the things you feel and the well of emotion in your soul. Give it all to Jesus. He cares for you. So give your heart to Jesus. And it's important that we do this because, well, for many reasons, but in Ezekiel chapter 14, it talks about the idols of the heart. You know what our heart is? An idol factory. Somebody is ruling your heart. There is a God in control of your heart. And Jesus wants to be that Lord. He wants to be the King of our lives. Give your heart to Jesus. In every heart, some God rules. You know, it's impossible to have a vacuum in a heart. In every heart, someone or something is ruling in your heart. What I mean by that is there is some, in your heart, there is something in your heart that you are foundationally trusting in to have joy. How are you going to have a happy life? It's in your heart what you need to do and feel and think to have a happy life, to have a joyful life, to have a life of peace. It's in your heart. At the foundational level, you're trusting in someone. I know you are. I know you're in your heart, in my heart. We're trusting in someone. We're trusting in something to give us joy and peace. Who is that God ruling your heart? Jesus says, give me your heart. 
Because he's the one who can really give us what we really are looking for in this life. So, the second thing I want us to see in how to give our heart, we need to understand what the heart is. And the second thing is, and this is such a well-known verse in the book of Proverbs, if you're a Christian, I'm sure you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Can you say it with me? Proverbs 3, 5, it's up there on the screen. Let's say it out loud. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And then the next verse, In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. So, how do we give our heart to Jesus We have to what? Trust Him. (laughs) Trust Him with all of your heart. Now, you can't trust Jesus. Okay, I'm going to trust Jesus like halfway. Half a heart. (laughs) Then you can't live the Christian. You'll be just a hypocrite. And we all have struggles with that as well. We need to trust in the Lord, the writer says here, and God says to us, with all of our heart. And notice the word all in, in, in both of these verses. I love it. Where it says, with all thine heart. And then he says in verse 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You see the problem is, in our lives so many times, we are just focused on directing my path. I want to rule my life. I want to go where I want to go. I want to direct my own path. But who is the one who directs our path? The Lord does. What's our job according to these verses? To trust Him and then acknowledge Him. So when I'm trusting Him, what am I doing? What am I going to do? When I'm trust, if I'm trusting the Lord and I've given Him my heart, how do I give my heart to the Lord? I trust Him. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for my sin and was buried and rose again and He's alive and He loves me so much. I can trust Him with my heart because He gave His heart for me. He gave His heart. He gave His life. He gave His blood to die on the cross for me. There's no one that loves me like Jesus loves me or you. That's why we can give our heart to Him. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. And it says, Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Proverbs 16, verse 20. Happy is he when we trust in Him. You know, be a God chaser. These verses. Trust Him. And then acknowledge Him. Chase after God. Trust Him with all your heart. God's not asking for your money. He's not saying, My son, give me all your money. (laughs) He says, My son, give me thine That's a lot more important than money. Give me your mind. I want to shape your thinking. That's that's what God is saying. How does He shape our thinking? With His Word. Give me your heart. Give me your will. Give give me all your doing and your actions and your movements of where you're going to go so that we walk in the will of God. And, And give me your emotions and be filled with my love. Be filled with the wonder of my love. Trust me, God is saying, with all your heart. And then, so we trust Him entirely, with all the heart, exclusively, not leaning on our own understanding, and exhaustively, in all of our ways, we acknowledge Him. So that's how we give our heart to the Lord. We have to understand the nature of the heart. We trust God with all of our heart. The third thing here in your notes, I say, stretch out your heart. For understanding. So, how are we going to give our heart to the Lord? 
And again, we're just really in Proverbs. We could go to many scriptures to answer these questions, but I'm focusing in on Proverbs here in this study. So go to, back to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And here's the first time the word heart appears in the book of Proverbs, here in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2. And we have one of these my son passages. And again, in these my son passages, we could look at it quite literal. The father speaking to his son or mother, you could say, is speaking to her daughter. A parent is speaking to their child. But I think it's also proper for us actually to look at this and say, this is God speaking to us as his children. We are his sons and we are his daughters. So he says in verse 1, Proverbs 2, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. Wisdom, we're saying, is the skillful application of knowledge. Wisdom. The skillful application of, of knowledge. And really, in the spiritual sense, the knowledge of what you know about God. So wisdom is not just knowing God is love, but then applying, oh, God is love, so I need to skillfully apply the knowledge that God is love to my life, so I need to be what? <laughs> loving. So that's wisdom, to be loving. Not just to know God is love, but then wisdom is be loving. Okay, so we need to have that wisdom. Incline thine ear to wisdom. And then he says, apply thine heart to understanding. So there's the first time the word heart appears in the book of Proverbs. Apply thine heart. And the word is interesting. If you look it up and you look at the different cross-references, see how that original language, Hebrew word, is used, you'll see that it's often translated, stretch out. It's, it's used when Moses is at the Red Sea with the children of Israel and he's stretching out his hand and he's stretching out the rod of God over the Red Sea and God is opening up that river miraculously like two walls on both sides for the Israelites to go through on the dry ground. Stretch out your heart to God. Apply your heart, he says. Apply your heart. This word is also translated, and I like to look and see how the English words are translated the same Hebrew word is translated maybe with another English word, it's, it, and it just helps us understand it better. But it's also used, go to chapter 5, verse 1, real quick. Look at Proverbs chapter 5, if you could turn there with me, to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. He says, my son, attend unto my wisdom. And then what's the next word? And what? And bow. So that's the word apply. So the, the idea of apply your heart is stretch out your heart to God and bow. Incline your heart to God. Like that. Stretch out your heart. You know, the heart is an organ. It's not a piece of metal that's cold. It's, it's something that has elasticity in a way. So God is saying, stretch out your heart to know me. Stretch out, give me your heart. Stretch out your heart to wisdom. That must be our desire. And the, the, the fourth thing, how to give our heart to God Stretch it out to the Lord. Trust in Him. Understand what the heart is. And the, the fourth thing is internalize God's Word in your heart. Internalize. So now just go to Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3 as we look at this in a topical way. So that means we turn around to Scripture to Scripture a little bit. But I'll try to go in some order so you don't get lost. But in Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse number 3. And he says in this verse, can you read it with me? Proverbs 3, verse 3, and it's on the screen if you don't have it there in your Bible. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Write them on the table. Now, in ancient times, 
They had tablets. They had writing tablets. Like notebook. We have notebooks. Well, write it on a tablet is really what he's saying. But he's saying that your heart is like, you know what your heart is like? It's a writing tablet. There's words. There's thoughts written in your heart. And you can repeat them back again. What does the psalmist, what does the psalmist say? Thy word have I hid in mine. What does that mean that we're to do with the Bible? What does that mean? We're to memorize it, correct? Memorize it. Why? Because your heart is a writing tablet and you memorize things. Now we can memorize. Before I was saved, I had all of Bruce Springsteen's albums memorized. I I had Billy Joel memorized. I had Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young memorized. I had the Beatles memorized. People say I can't memorize the Bible. Can you memorize statistics in sports? When I was a kid, too, I could memorize how many home runs Johnny Bench had, how many RBIs Willie Mays or Hank Aaron. I, I could memorize. I, I didn't even have to try. It just would, I would hear it and it would stick. I don't know why. I wish the Bible would stick to me like that sometimes. Because I have to work hard at memorizing the Bible. I do. And that, but the way to memorize the Bible is you, you read it and you reread it and you, then you take it and you meditate on it and you repeat it and repeat it. 25 times and 20 times and 15 times day by day. And then finally, it comes into your heart and it's written on your heart. So when you give your heart to the Lord, you stretch out your heart to know God and stretch out your heart for wisdom. And, and you're saying, Lord, I want you to have my mind and my will and my emotions. I want you to have all this complex interplay of what's going on inside of me. Because sometimes I don't even know myself what's going on inside me. And I don't understand even how I'm feeling sometimes. You feel that way, right? God knows. And He's given us His Word so that we would write His Word and take from our heart. When we give our heart to the Lord, that's what we'll do. We'll internalize God's Word. We'll bow down our hearts, stretch it out, bow down. And then the last thing is, here, under this first point, how to give our heart to God, we'll guard His Word in our heart. We'll guard it. So we understand what it means to give our heart. We have to understand the heart. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. We stretch out our, our, our heart to the Lord. We internalize God's Word. And then we guard the Word of God. So look what he says. Even go with me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 4 first. If you look in chapter 4, verse 4. And in verse 4 he says, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words... And do what? And keep my commandments. And what's the result? You'll what? You'll live. You'll have a real life. You'll have an abundant life. Eternal life forever and abundant life now. You'll live. And the thing he says here is, retain my words. That's what we were saying. Write them on the tablet of our heart. But once you, re- once you receive the word... You bow down your ear. You stretched out for it. You've, you've written it on the table of your heart. Now guard it. Now protect it. This is the idea here. Guard God's Word in your heart. And I put that picture with a lock over that complex computers, all those computers things going on there because your heart is comp- more complex than any, any human computer and I don't understand how a computer works. But he says, guard your heart. Keep 
my commandments. Keep my commandments. And now go look in chapter 4, verse 23. That's the verse up here on the screen. And if you can get that verse, let's read it. It says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So, again, I see this heart as one who is inclined to the Word of God, written the Word of God, internalized it, and now is going to protect the Word of God that's written on the heart. Guard God's Word in your heart. And when he says, keep thy heart, you know what I think of? I think of a castle. Do you think the Windsor Castle is well protected? (laughs) Do you think they have a few guards? Do you think they have a few guards at at the city hall downtown, the mayor's office? Do you think they have a few guards at the White House? Don't you think they protect these places? They, they guard? Well, we are to guard our heart like that. He says, keep your heart with all diligence. Because if the castle is overcome and falls under the control of the enemy, the enemy will take over all the lands around it. The land will be overrun with evil if the castle is overcome. So guard your heart so that the enemy doesn't come in and then wreak havoc on your life. Guard your heart (coughs) like a castle. But I also see the picture of a reservoir in this verse. In verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And the idea here is the issues of life is the the outflowing of your life that comes out of your what? Your life flows out of your heart. And so think of a reservoir, beautiful reservoir in upstate New York. We have delicious drinking water in New York. Actually, we don't need bottled water probably, but our water has fluoride. I, I drink bottled water though. But I drank tap water for my whole life until they said, oh, it has fluoride, drink bottled water, whatever. But anyway, it comes from these beautiful reservoirs in upstate New York. And then what happens is that the water leaves those reservoirs and it goes into these massive pipes, these massive tunnels. And it's really, just think of the amount of water. One place I read it said 350 million gallons of water every day needs to flow out of the reservoirs and through those tunnels so that we could drink and have the water we need, the water of life, for life itself. Without water, you you don't have life. So this is a picture, this reservoir is a picture of of your heart. And the tunnels is a picture of your hands. See, so what's in your heart comes out of your hands. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus, what did He say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's kind of like my mouth is like a tunnel of what's coming out of my heart. And my feet, my, what's in my heart, my feet go. I came to church today. My heart was to go to church. So the outflow of what was in my heart brought me to church. And same with all of you. Praise God. Glad that you're here today. I hope you're still glad. <laughs> so out of the heart flows all of your life. So guard your heart with all diligence because everything that is in your heart, it's going to come out one way or the other. You want to protect your heart. That's why you need to give it to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus and guard it. So, how do we... That's how. And then secondly, let's just talk about why. Why should you give your heart to Jesus? Somebody... 
you might say, but, but, but Matt, I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in the Bible. Everything you've said so far, it doesn't mean anything to me. I, I'm not a Christian. Maybe you're an agnostic. Maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you say you're a Christian, but you're living the Christian life as you see fit, but it, it doesn't, doesn't really involve certain things. But we need to give our heart to Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I would say, believe on Jesus Christ. You know why? Because Jesus Christ's entire life was prophesied a thousand and even more years before He even came. Think of that. Who else's life was prophesied like the life of Jesus Christ? It was prophesied hundreds of years before He came. What city He would be born in. We'll be celebrating the Christmas season soon. And not only that, it prophesied 750 years by Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Now, what's the chance of anyone being born of a virgin? What's the probability that a, 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 somebody's going to be conceived in a, 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 the womb of a woman without the help of a man? What's the probability? There's a zero probability. It takes a miracle. And yet Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And I could go on and on. But the life of Jesus Christ was, is prophesied. And he's... He's the only one who said he was going to die on a cross, an awful, awful death, and then rise again. He said he was going to rise again before he did it. It's in the Bible. Before he rose again, he said, I'm going to rise again. You know anybody who said that in all of human history? Jesus. Why did he do that? He did it for you. He did it to take the death you deserve and that we deserve. For the soul that sinneth shall die. And you've sinned. We've sinned, haven't we? We've sinned out of our hearts. We've lied. We've uh, lusted. Our hearts, the Bible says, is, are naturally sinful. And we naturally embrace sinful things. We naturally will sometimes say curse words. We naturally will do things that we know are wrong. We will lie when it's convenient. And we've, we've, many have committed adultery when it is convenient. Many have done things that are sinful. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why we need Jesus, because you know what? He never sinned. He was without sin. And that's why He could die for your sin and mine and the sins of the world. It's an amazing thing. Do you know the first time the word heart appears in the Bible? Do you think it's talking about how wonderful our hearts are? How full of love our hearts are? Do you know the first time the word heart is in the Bible? It's in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where it says that every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was only... Evil, continually. Ugh. Every imagination. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we should give our heart to Jesus. Because we have a heart that is deceitful. The prophet Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can even know it? I don't really want to know your heart. You don't even want to know my heart. I guarantee you. You think bad thoughts this week? Did you think, man, I wish I could kill that person? Did you think, how can I steal from this person? This person is really getting on my nerves. I want to rip that person off. Now, you didn't actually do it, maybe, but you thought it. You surely don't want your thoughts to be up on the screen here this morning of all the thoughts you had this past week in your heart. 
Because our hearts are desperately wicked. But Jesus says, give me your heart. (laughs) He can handle it. He could take it. So that's why we should give our heart to Jesus. And then I want us to look at the second part of this verse, though, where he says, let thine eyes observe my ways. Do you know why we can give our heart to Jesus? Because you look at his life. Now, if you look at my life, you will find problems. You, you will find mistakes, flaws and frailties and sins. But look at, look at Jesus. There is no sin in him. Look at his life in the Bible and the Gospels. Read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And look at the life. Let your eyes observe his ways. Watch his steps. Look at his words. Look what he did. And you'll see that he's someone you can commit your heart to. Now, this word observe is an interesting word. And I found it in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, where God himself says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect and whom my soul delighteth. So God looks upon Jesus and says, I delight in him. And that's the same word for observe. So let thy word, let thy, let thine eyes delight in my ways. You know, when you look at Jesus, you'll delight in him. Because he's delightful. <laughs> observe his ways, which are full of delight, is really what this, what this scripture is telling us. The Father delights in His Son, and so will we when we observe His ways. So, just a few things why we should give our heart to Jesus. The the first thing under this is, we need to realize that we all have heart problems. You know, heart problems is one of the biggest kind of physical problems people have, but we all have spiritual heart problems. And heart problems lead to life's biggest problems. So, look at Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12. And this chapter is all about the strange woman and the young man coming under the spell of a strange woman, adulterous woman. And and when he comes to the end of his life after giving himself to this, he says in verse 11, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11, and he says, and now you'll mourn at the last. If you give your life to this strange woman, the father's warning his son, actually, the father's warning his son. He says, if you give your life to adultery and fornication and sexual sins your whole life, and that, that's all you want to live for. And believe me, that's what a lot of people are living for in our society today. Their own sinful sexual pleasures. And it's in the Old Testament. It's called Baal worship, by the way. And he says, son, if you live this way, you're going to live your life with regret and you're going to mourn at the end. You'll mourn at the last when your flesh and body are consumed, when you're lying on your deathbed about to die. And you're going to say this to yourself in verse 12. You're going to say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof? I hated instruction and my heart hated when people were telling me what I should do with my life. Especially when my parents tried to correct me. And so... Heart problems lead to life's biggest problems. A lot of self-destructive ways come out of the heart. A lot of illness. A lot of sickness, right? A lot of sickness comes out of living, living bad. Jesus catalogs the heart sins in Mark chapter 7. And He says... That which is out of the heart of man, that is what defiles a man. And he, he lists a, a, a group of sins like a swarm of hornets and horrible things. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, thefts, and covetousness. So, heart problems lead to life's biggest problems. And the second thing, why we need to give our heart to Jesus, 
is because we're going to have heart problems if we don't. And what's going to happen to our heart if we don't give our heart to Jesus and allow his word to frame our thinking and our emotions and our will, then we're going to start devising our own wicked imaginations. And that's what we see in the book of Proverbs. Like look in chapter 6 and verse 18. In chapter 6, verse 18, he says here that, that uh, there, these are the things that God hates. These are the things that God hates in the, this list. And he says that a heart that, that devises wicked imaginations, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet, feet that be swift to mischief. So heart problems lead to devising wicked imagination. So the heart that despises God's reproof will then start to strategize their own way. And what comes out of that? Violence, laziness, cheating in business practices. It's all in the book of Proverbs like that. A man's heart strategizes. And then actions result out of that. And if Jesus doesn't have the heart, the tendency is you're going to be self-centered and selfish and narcissistic in the outworkings of your heart. A heart devises wicked imaginations. Look, in, look at this verse, chapter 24, verse 2. It says, For their heart studieth destruction, their lips talk of mischief. So when your heart studies destruction or literally meditates on destruction, it's going to come out of the lips. It's going to come out of the mouth. And by the way, go, look at one verse on this too in a positive light. Look at chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 15. And verse 28, he says here that a righteous heart studies and a righteous heart meditates. And a righteous heart, if you will, devises also. But look what a righteous heart devises. Not destruction and not wicked imaginations, but in chapter 15, look please at verse 28 where he says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Studies to answer. And so we need to be that kind of person, studying to answer. Now, on, on, in your notes, if you look here in this little heart chart that I made, and I'm not going to go through all of these, but there's just a couple that I want to highlight, if, if that's okay. I want to highlight the fourth one, which is the deceitful heart. Look what he says, and under a wicked heart, it's number four, deceitful. He says, deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. So, in other words, why do we need to give our heart to Jesus? Because look at, look at what will happen if we don't. We'll have a, a worthless heart, a crooked, perverse, deceitful, anxious, backsliding, empty, proud, and that should be enraged, impure, foolish, stingy, envious, violent, hardened heart. We don't want that. Those are all the different hearts listed in Proverbs. But think of that idea of deceitful heart. The fourth thing down where it says, deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. A few weeks ago we went to the Creation Museum. And what a blessing that was to really be once again encouraged with the truth that God made us in six days. And of course a lot of people think, you believe God made you in, in six 24-hour days? You, you believe that, or that God created the world and then, and then, of course, created man on the, the sixth day? And you don't believe in evolution? No, we don't believe in evolution. We believe in the Bible. Amen. And I was reading a, ser a sermon by Spurgeon. And Spurgeon preached this sermon in 1886. That's, just less, that's less than 30 years after Darwin came out of his Origin of Species. Spurgeon in England preached this within 30 years of Darwin's 
Origin of Species book, and he said, this is what he said, and I agree with him fully. He says, the dogma of evolution is a dream, a theory without a vestige of proof. There's not a hair of truth upon this dog from its head to its tail. It rends and tears the simple ones. In all its bearings upon scriptural truth, the evolution theory is in direct opposition to it. If God's word be true, evolution is a lie. And by the way, the opposite is true also. If evolution is true, God's word is a lie. And Spurgeon said, I will not mince the matter, for this is not the time for soft speaking. And it was not then, and it is not now. This lie has given birth to much social chaos we see experiencing in our culture. The other one I want to highlight is an enraged heart. It's a very interesting verse. It's number nine. Can you read this verse with me? It says, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. My understanding of this verse, you have, to, sometimes you have to understand the words. The word pervert means to overthrow. So man's foolishness leads to his life being overthrown. He's overthrown in his way. That's the idea. So when somebody acts out and lives in a foolish way, their, their, their plans and their life is overthrown. What's his response? His heart fretteth. Against the Lord. And here's where we have to look at what the words mean. The word fret means to be enraged against, to be angry, full of wrath and fury. So, you see, when somebody's foolishness leads to their life being overthrown, rather than repent, what do they do? They get in a rage. Don't do that. That's an enraged heart. Rather than get in a rage against God. And many people are really angry at God. Repent and turn to Him. The last thing I want to say is that hard problems find their cure in Jesus Christ. Hard problems find their cure in Jesus Christ. Again, we go back to our text, My son, give me thine heart. And I want you to hear Jesus speak that to you today. And I've talked about how we should do it and why we need to do it. We have hard problems. And, but Jesus says, Give me thine heart. Now, when we think of the term give me. You know who said give me? A number of people said give me. You know who I think of said give me in the Bible? The prodigal son. He said give me the money. <laughs> and Because his heart was, it was foolish and evil and then he went from riches to rags. But then at the end, the prodigal son gave his heart to the Lord. And his life turned to joy and he was given a new robe and he was given a ring and he was given shoes and a lavish meal. But here, God is saying to you, give me. Not because He needs your heart, but because we need to give it to Him. And we were created by Him. Give Him your heart because He made your heart. Give Him your heart because He gave you life. Give Him your heart because He was crushed for you on the cross. Give Him your heart because look at some of the dangers will happen if we don't. Even look at this passage. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. What's right after this verse in the context of Proverbs chapter 23? What's right after the context? For a whore is a deep ditch. Give me your heart so you don't fall into deep ditches of sexual sins. Give me your heart because look well, who has... What do they have in verse 29? What does it say in Proverbs 23, 29? Who has... Woe and sorrow, and contention. And it's the one who lives in drunkenness and lives getting drunk. Give Jesus Christ your heart. 
Because He can cure your heart. He can heal your soul. He can heal you of those lustful desires and the, that drunkenness and gluttony that's overtaken your life. Give Jesus your heart. Now I know how some of you may feel. You might say, but my heart is so broken and hurting. I can't give anybody my heart right now, but Jesus will take your heart. And Oh, the Bible says that a bruised reed He will not break. He will handle your heart with great love and care. And He will give you His joy, His peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Take His promises. Somebody else might say, well, my heart is so dirty, I've got to clean up my act first. No, you don't have to clean up your act. Just give your heart as it is to Jesus. That's what He does. He cleans up our act. And you know, when we give Him our heart, you know what, he, what we get back? Look at Ezekiel 36-26 right here. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. So give me thine heart. What do we give him? A stony heart. And what does he give us back? A heart of flesh. A soft heart. A moldable heart that will obey him and love him. I will give you a heart of flesh. Give Jesus Christ your heart. Some of you might say, well, what if I don't give him my heart, preacher? Well, he's just asking you for it. He's not going to whip you. He's, he's a gentleman. God is a gentleman, if you will. He won't steal your heart. You must willingly give your heart. But I say, if you, when you give your heart to the Lord, you'll never regret it. You will be so thankful that you gave your heart to the Lord. So my son, give me thine heart. Let thine eyes observe my ways. Let's stand together as we pray. Give your heart to Jesus today. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Give your heart now and do it freely. Was not His heart pressed for you so that drops of bloody sweat came from His brow? When the spear punctured His heart, out came water and blood to show His brokenness for you. Maybe you say, I'm not ready to give my heart to the Lord. Why? Do you still need to experiment with sin and find out that sin doesn't satisfy? Give your heart to the Lord who loves you so much. There's really only two ways. The way of wisdom or the way of foolishness. The way of light or the way of darkness. The way of God or the way of the devil. Give your heart to Jesus so you can go His way and be truly fulfilled and fulfill your purpose. A life of true meaning will be yours when you come to Christ and eternal life that you could bring glory to God. Maybe someone here say, but I don't even know where my heart is anymore. It's buried underneath something. Maybe it's buried underneath a pain. Maybe it's buried underneath all your love of money. Maybe it's buried underneath all your, your clothes in your closet. I don't know. But maybe you say, I don't even know where my heart is. 
How can I give it if I don't know where it is? Well, my mother always told me when you lose something, think about the last time you had it. Where did you lose it? Go back there and find it. Find your heart. And give it to Jesus. And how many would say, Pastor Matt, I've given my heart to Jesus. But I say to you, give it back to Him today afresh and new. Let's all just give our hearts back to Jesus today. So that His thoughts would be our thoughts. His will would be our will. His heart would be our heart. That we could please Him in all of our ways. And acknowledge Him. And He will direct our paths as we trust Him. How many would say, yes, Pastor Matt, I have given my heart to Jesus and I want to give my heart to Jesus anew. Can I see your hand? Just put it up to the Lord. And I want you to picture an offering plate being passed with your hand right now. With your hand up. And just picture your heart in your hand. You're giving to Jesus. Just picture an offering plate passing before you right now. And Now put your hand down and just put your heart in that offering and give it to Jesus today and say, Lord, I'm Yours. Take me, Lord. I love You because You so love me. How many would say, Pastor, I'm not saved today. If I died, I have no hope of going to heaven. And I know there's sin in my heart. And I fear going to hell. But I need salvation. I need Jesus Christ today as my Savior. Pastor, would you please pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Can I pray for you? Is there anyone? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I just want to pray for you. So now, Lord, we thank you for your love today. We give you our heart, even as the song says, give us that tender heart. And take us now, Lord, that we would be your devoted servants. In Jesus' name, amen.